and, and you're not going to do these tests with your mom. You're not going to do these tests with your family. You're going to do this test with people who are going to buy or not buy. Okay. Because the big test that every entrepreneur has got to get past is the difference between free and people who are willing to write you a check and give you actual money because they are not the same. Hello and welcome to the Optimized Store Owner Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Hey, y'all. I hope you are doing well. This episode is one where if you have been struggling to figure out a way to crack the code, generate more revenue for your store, and find a way to get people to actually pull out their card and give you more money, then this episode is going to answer that question. It's one that's actually pretty simple because we're going to be talking about storytelling, but how do you make it happen for your business, for your e-commerce store to take people through a process of what it's like before your product, during your product, and after your product. This is a, an episode where I took a ton of notes. Uh, there's an awesome free resource at the end. Thank you so much to our guest. And this is an episode where you can actually take action and implement something today. All right, y'all. Enjoy. Anthony, so much. thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Hey, thank you. Absolutely. So tell us, tell us a little bit about the the business. Let's start there, and and then we'll jump for him. Or really, the, what is primal storytelling? And then let's let's go from from that point and go to some deeper questions. Yeah. So the last nine years, I've been running a content agency called Can Do Ideas, and uh, primal storytelling was kind of a it it kind of sprung out of an event that happened a few years ago where a client fired me, <laughs> you know, it's one of those really tough things. And, you know, for, for years, I always had this clause in my contracts, like, Hey, you know, if you don't feel like we're doing a great job for you, you can, you can leave anytime. And someone took me up on it. <laughs> um, and I was in shock. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, Cause no one had ever done that for years. And, you know, we were really doing well. And what happened was it, it was a, a tech company in a, in a space that I knew really well. And they had hired us to do some blogging, to create some social content for them and some other things. And their CEO just gave me a call and was like, hey, Tony, listen, uh, you guys are on time. We like the work, but it's just not moving the needle. Like we're not getting results. You know, we're not, you know, SEO is helping, but it's not like, it's not really getting ROI from what we're paying. And that kind of led me down this rabbit hole of, of asking the question like, hey, why does some content work? And other content doesn't. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the stats recently. There's 1.5 billion websites now. And a huge number of those are business websites, you know, websites that are trying to get people's attention, trying to sell something. And so there's like this wasteland of corporate blogs and social media channels that, you know, they're pumping out content minute to minute and no one reads it, no one sees it, no one consumes it. I don't know if you ever looked at some of the big brand blogs. I mean, like, like for the love of God, who wrote this stuff and why would you ever read it? You know, it's the cure for insomnia. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, we were doing really well with some other clients and their content was resonating and, you know, we're really, really doing well. And I just couldn't figure out, I was like, what is the difference? 
And I, I went to this uh, mastermind conference down in San Diego. And the speaker gets up on stage and it's day two and he starts talking about marketing. And he says something that I'd heard before, but just really resonated at the moment. He was like, hey, people make decisions emotionally. And then after they've made the decision, they go back and they try to justify it with logic. I was like, oh, really? Well, what, what emotions? Like, what are those emotions that drive them? And so I just go down the rabbit hole of studying emotions. And I, I, I stumble on this idea of evolutionary psychology and what they think of as primal urges. So primal urges are vestiges of instincts in humans. So like geese, they have genetically encoded, they got to fly south for the winter. They don't go east. They don't go west. They don't go on vacation in Hawaii. Okay. Squirrels, they gather nuts for the winter. Um, bears hibernate. Well, people, we don't have instincts that like make us do things anymore, but we have the vestiges of instincts. Okay. It's what we think of as a primal urge. Like we want to do certain things because that's what our ancestors had to do. And one of those is tribe. It might be the most important thing. Okay. It's this idea of that, you know, we're, we're tribal beings. We need to be in groups. We need to be with our people. We need to be with our families. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you lock someone up in a jail and, you know, they're in solitary confinement, they go crazy. The, the UN has, has, you know, long-term solitary confinement is a, is a form of torture. And this is a lesson for marketers. And this is where primal storytelling came from was as I'm going down the rabbit hole, I finally realized what was the difference between all of our clients is when we touched on primal emotions, primal urges, and then we did some storytelling. That's the clients that did the best. And, you know, in, in those, in those engagements where we're just providing information or we're doing a white paper or something and like, no one cares. No one cares about anything that you do. They just don't. They care about themselves. They care about what they need. They care about what's important to them. You know, and if, if you think about, you know, think about like the last time you bought something big, like you bought a car or you bought a house. Okay. I, I like to use cars because it's something that, you know, in the, in the U.S. anyway, most everyone has a car or has owned one at some point in time. Is it, well, why do you drive the car that you have? And I can tell you, it's not for transportation. That's, that's a small, tiny piece of it because on one end of the scale, you can buy a car for a thousand bucks, might be a rust bucket. It might not get you where you want to go every time. And then on the other end, you can spend millions and millions on a car, a supercar. Okay. Well, so why do we buy the cars that we buy? And it, it has to do with how it makes you feel. Okay. Yeah. Price is part of it you know, utility is part of it, safety is part of it, but how it makes you feel and the signal it sends to your tribe and your social, your, you know, your social um, community is way, way more important. And, and I think, and this is a big theme of the book is that most brands think way too much about themselves and not enough about their clients and how they're making them feel and like, like what they can do to bring them into their own story. You know, and so that that's 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 why the the subtitle of the book is marketing for humans. I, I think, you know, Google and the search engines, and if you go back, you know, five, 10 years in SEO, and everyone was writing for the search engine. Everyone wanted to get traffic. Oh, we're gonna keyword density. That's what we need. Oh, oh, we need better meta tags. We need we need better SEO on our page. Well, yeah, all those things are kind of important. But what's way more important is that you create something that your audience actually wants to hear and is valuable for them.
you know, that's the most important. That's what's going to move the needle. So I, I hope that is that a good intro. That's a, that's a, that's a great <laughs> intro. I think we should dive deeper into some examples like you mentioned there with the, with the car. I think people are interested in how do they apply this for their business. A lot of people who are listening to this podcast are, are store owners or e-commerce. And so it's how do we like, is it through the content creation? Is it through the website? It, how are they telling that story? Maybe you can some give us some examples or some insight into how do I go about drawing people into this story? How do I go about painting a picture that's good enough for people to say, this is my status or my signaling to the audience. Uh, but I'll throw it over to you for that. I'm, I, we're just trying to be, uh, what is the right word? I'm trying to just learn as much as possible here too. But I think that's a question that people will have. So primal storytelling, it's a, it's a formula. Okay. There's three parts to it. So the first part is just what I was kind of hinting at is you spend time and try to understand your audience. And I, I call that tribe, understand who they are as people. What are their psychographics? What are their demographics? Survey them. What's important to them? What are their hopes and fears and dreams? And once you understand that part of it, then you can start to look at what are their emotions that are driving them in a certain direction? Okay. So, you know, if you're in e-commerce, a lot of e-commerce brands are, you know, maybe, maybe you're bundling three or four commodity items together as a kit, or maybe you're selling a clothing line or something, something that is something that you can't just get off of Amazon, you know, something slightly different, something boutique, something that's unique. Okay. I like to start out with three types of stories. Okay. So the first story it's called an origin story. Like, where did you come from? Why are you doing this? And then what's the vision story? Okay, what, what are you trying to do? You know, if you listen to anything that Elon Musk has ever done, he always starts out with this like massive vision. You know, before he birthed, even hired his first engineer, he's talking about, hey, we're going to put a colony on Mars for SpaceX. Okay, this is when the guy is like in startup phase. Well, it comes up with this massive vision. You know, we're going to be a multi-planet species. Well, you don't have to be Elon Musk to come up with a vision. You can be Tom's. You can say, you know what? We're going to help people wear shoes. You know, or, hey, maybe we're going to be all organic. Or we're going to have a new clothing line, a sexy clothing line for mom for moms. I, I don't know. It, does, it just depends on what is your market. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look for stories that connects with that audience and their primal urges and their emotions. So the first story is that origin story. The second story is the vision story, where you're going with it. What are you trying to do with the brand? And the third one is it's a transformation story. What was, what was life like before they knew about you? What was the problem they had that you were solving? What's it like now working with you? now that they've discovered you and then what was it like afterwards so before during and after if you look in the fitness industry you know they're always showing you know little johnny was 60 pounds overweight um after he had his his three kids and now he's now he's a corporate executive and he's got a bunch of weight he wants to lose and, and suddenly you know six-pack abs and he, he's he's flexing okay the reason those work is because everyone wants to understand how you overcame adversity in some way. Okay, so if you if you can link 
your story to some sort of transformation, that's where things get really connected. And then the fourth kind of stories is, and this is, think of it like a, think of it like your favorite Netflix special. You know, you got 10 seasons of something. Well, each season has an overall theme as something that the, the whole season is about, you know, and then you have the individual episodes themselves and each episode has a beginning, middle, and an end. In the book, I outline a bunch of story structures that you can use and you can adapt them and use them for your own brand. But what I'm really talking about is creating content for three months, six months, a year that resonates with a particular audience over a really long period of time. Uh, if, if, I don't know if that makes sense for you guys. Um, you know, So those are the main stories that we want to tell. Every brand can do this in at least some way. You know, and Now, why do we tell that origin story? Because people want to do business with people they like. Like if you've, if you've seen all of this controversy about Bud Light, I don't know if you've been following it. Bud Light lost $4 billion in market share since Friday. Because yeah, they didn't know their audience. Okay. They they forgot about their audience. And they have this, this lady who, she's a young person. She's trying to do well. She's, she's like, she's like yeah, I, I put together this campaign because we want to link Bud Light to a new generation of, Bud, of drinkers. And so they... You know, they hire this um, this person to be their spokesperson, but they didn't think about their current audience. And they also didn't think about, hey, you know what? There's more than one segment of a younger audience, and, and maybe this is not the right way to go. And it, it's just an example. And I, I talk about polarizing, you know, polarizing campaigns and how they can do really well on one hand and how they can backfire on another. And I think this campaign is just an absolute example of a brand who didn't really think deeply about their target market. They didn't think deeply about who their current clients were. And they went off on a tangent that has really, really harmed the brand. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering where it's gonna go. I mean, they, they, they lost 4 billion in market share. And that's not including, I just, just before I jumped on the podcast, I was reading this article where thousands and thousands of distributors all over the country are refusing to take more deliveries. Like it's, it's a debacle for yeah. them. So how do you avoid that? And how you avoid that is know your audience, be their friends, like, like know who they are as people. Why, why are they working with you? Why are they buying from you? Why, why did they, if they repeatedly bought from you, you should really spend some time and talk to them and find out like, what was the reason? Like, what was that connection they had? Like, if you ever, uh, you ever look at some different like small segments that are really, really ravenous, like, like look at like Harley Davidson owners. Okay. If, if you're familiar with uh, the ultimate, the book, the ultimate question, like net promoter score. So it's a, it's a way that a brand can measure how much their customers love them. Harley Davidson has the highest rating that pretty much anyone can get. You know, people get logos of Harley Davidson tattooed on their shoulder, right? So if you get if you get primal storytelling tattooed on your shoulder, I'll give you a thousand bucks. Um, but so there's this brand that people love. And what do you think of when you think of Harley Davidson? Well, you think of this big machine that's awesome and, and just powerful and freedom and you know, hanging out with your friends and you know, you know, riding around. You know, you think of all these things. You don't think of like crotch rockets and going fast and 
<laughs> you know, or or cars or dump trucks. You think of Harley Davidson, you think of motorcycles, you think of, you know, guys with big muscles and hot girls. Okay. Whether all those things are true or not, those are the things and the image and the stories that that audience is telling themselves. Okay. And it, it's it's an important understanding of the identity of the brand. You know, and I think that what where Bud Light is really, they've hurt themselves. They just didn't think deeply about their tribe. You know, and I, I the, the best advice I can give to anyone who's trying to build a brand, who's trying to grow a market, is start with understanding who your best fit clients are, who you really want to work with, who do you want to serve? You know, think less about yourself. That's so good. And it, I, it brought up the interesting, th- uh, what was it? can't remember who they were. I don't, I don't drink their beer, but, uh, nor is an endorsement for them, but they knew their audience so well that they created like a, instead of natty light or whatever, it's latte light or something like that. It was like a, it was a play on words for like middle-class guys who happened to drink that beer. And so they created a whole line kind of covering it, but you're right. They, they did a bunch of surveys that figured out their audience and then they dove deeper into things besides just assuming, um, what would you do if, if you don't have existing customers? Because we get that question a lot. It's like probably 20% of the people listening to this podcast are like, I'm on the verge of starting a po- uh, my business or I'm in watching these YouTube videos and now I'm listening to the podcast and I, I want to go to that next level. But they don't know how to talk to their customers because they've never interacted with them. They just have this idea. This Is, is the book for those people as well? Or how do they go about finding answers that they don't know where to resource it? Yeah, absolutely. So I cover very, very meticulously how to test in the book. So if you don't know who your market is, you got to figure that out. And you don't want to go out and spend $50,000 and find out you're wrong. Okay. So I've designed a whole series of little micro tests that I can do. I'm actually, that's why I'm going to Austin on Wednesday is I'm doing the Anthony Butler little tiny tests, you know, 150 bucks at a pop to help this client really figure out who their best fit market is. We think we know, and this, this is the thing, I, I I just rail with a lot of e-commerce brands and SaaS companies, you know, and these are, a lot of times they're ran by programmers and engineers and they run about data and they get on the market and they're just making shit up. I'm like, guys, listen, you gotta separate what you think from what you can prove and what you know. So you got to test your market. You got to test who you're actually talking to. And, you know, what I like to do is figure out who I think that market might be and then go and meet them in person or talk to them on the phone or get on a call with them, you know, and just try to ask the question, you know, and and sometimes, and and you're not going to do these tests with your mom. You're not going to do these tests with your family. You're going to do this test with people who are going to buy or not buy. Okay, because the big test that every entrepreneur has got to get past is the difference between free and people who are willing to write you a check and give you actual money because they are not the same. They're not the same. You know, and I I, I run a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. Okay. So I've been a black vibe trainer for 20 years. And years ago, I used to let people come in and like try a free month or try a couple of weeks for free. And, you know, when I would open up a new, a new school, I was like, okay, we're going to do two weeks for free or a month for free. You know what I realized? None of the people who came in for free ever stayed 
they were rude. They didn't appreciate us. They, they didn't like what we were, you know, it just, they never resonated. I doubled all the prices. You know, I started charging a lot of money and people realize I know what I'm doing and they come in and you know what, all those schools did really well. You know, in the school that I have in Montana now, I, I never do anything for free and we charge and all of those clients are better. But you know what it is, is I figure out who the market is. I know exactly how to talk to them. When a mom comes in and she tells me, hey, my, my son is being bullied in school. I'm like, ma'am, you're in the right spot. Like our kids don't get bullied. They stop bullies. They beat up bullies. That's what we do here. And, and you know, it's a, it's an odd, you know, kind of a, a little tiny micro market as a martial arts academy, but it's a metaphor for every business is that once you understand your audience, you know how to talk to them and you separate free from paying customers because the paying customers, they know why they're buying, you know, whereas freeze, they, they just want something for nothing. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15 minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very powerful and a lesson that hopefully a lot of business owners learn early on, um, and, and not too deep into, into their business. Um, something that came to mind, I mean, with everything storytelling wise, I think what even things that we've read recently, it's, um, I guess the, the main framework for storytelling is the hero's journey. Um, is, is part of that in the book? Are there other frameworks that businesses can use when it comes to to storytelling um, and just kind of dive a little deeper into that. And also, I was curious, and I think you touched on it, but uh, more a direct question on what it is that makes storytelling so compelling to, to people. Yeah, sure. So stories are older than the invention of fire. It's intrinsic to the human, you know, the human animal. Um, the, one of the oldest stories that anthropologists have been able to identify is actually a story that everyone knows, Little Red Riding Hood, predates the Bible. Um, it's been found in 60, 60 plus cultures in different languages. You know, sometimes the big bad wolf is, is an ogre. Sometimes Little Red Riding Hood, you know, is a little different. You know, maybe sometimes the woodcutter is a little different, but it's the same story. Okay. So first, if you, if you ever go to a, next time you go to a party, you go to an outing, like just, just sit in the back for a minute and listen to how people are talking to each other. Everyone's telling a story. Oh, my boss, you should have seen what this crazy guy did. Or I was downtown and I saw a fight or, you know, my son, he's coming home from school and he's telling me all these weird stories, the kids in school and they're doing this and that, and this teacher, this, and that teacher, that is it. We really spend a lot of our time in stories. Okay. Little kids, they spend 80% of their time in stories. That's why like, I don't know if you guys have kids. I have, I have two kids. You know, when my kids were young, Shrek mm. had just come out. I've seen Shrek like 16,000 times. <laughs> but you now why is that though? It's an awesome story. It's the exact same story as Star Wars. It's the exact same story as Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. If you look at the structure of Shrek, it's exactly the same. Okay. It's this unlikely hero who goes on this journey He's trying to overcome the evil of the world and he triumphs. Okay. That's the story. That's the structure. So in the book, what I did is 
I looked at all of these ancient story structures and I asked myself this question, which structures would marketers use to get a business and help them grow? Like what structures would they be? Well, it's not horror. It's not detective. There's a few small stories. So you've got the underdog. So think of Rocky. You've got kind of the, the epic hero's journey. Like you're thinking of, you know, for like, you know, where we're going and what we're trying to do. Okay. I, I lay out half a dozen really strong story structures. I give very good examples of small brands, B2B, B2C, and really big brands that do this well. And I, I use some examples that are a metaphor for what anyone can do. Okay. So whether you're just starting out or you're B2B or B2C, or you're selling a straight commodity, what what is going to separate the winners in 2023 and 2024 are going to be those brands that tell really good stories and the brands that just provide information and talk about themselves. Okay. I th think about this Bud Light failure. Like, like this is, I, I keep going back to it because it's fresh and it's just going on right today. Right. So it's just giant controversies that the story they told wasn't the right story for their audience and it's damaging the brand. Now flip it around. How could they have done, how could they have told a story that was for their actual brand? Well, I think you have to dig deep into who's drinking Bud Light in 2023. You know, you got to understand who they are and how can they grow? How can they branch out? I have a ton of ideas I could have recommended for them, but they didn't read the book. So they're first they're, off, <laughs> read the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go to my website and download the book. It's free. Um, but here's the thing. There is no business that can't tell a story. And I, I've, I have actually implemented primal storytelling in like 18 or so different industries from construction to accounting, to marketing companies, SaaS companies, e-commerce companies, clothing, like stories are part of what makes us human. You know, there, there's no one out there who's just, oh, I don't like stories. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you just do. That's how we learn our language. It's how it's how we grow as people. So, um, yeah, that I hope that answers your question. I know I'm kind of long winded. I think it's no. I was going to say from the from the beginning, even before we started recording, is if we do a lot of the talking, then we're not getting the knowledge that you have. And I think that's where the benefit is, where you are expanding on the the stories here are I think extremely helpful. The examples when you created this book who was it you I sounded like you created for yourself I don't want to put words in your mouth but it sounded like you created for yourself and for your own like business at that point but who was it that you were thinking of that it could serve and then what is the best way for people to uh, apply this book because I think more than anything at least somebody who reads as well is if we pick up a book we read it and then the action items from that are there action items in the book or if not maybe you can expand on like, okay, make sure that you do this. And then like, this is one of those books where it's kind of like a workbook where you don't read the whole thing through. You kind of like knock things out. Maybe you can expand on that. I'm just trying to infer from not reading the book yet of what's, yep. what's inside. So, so the introduction of that book, it lays out the entrepreneurial dilemma. There's 1.5 billion websites in the world. If you don't have, if you don't have enough money to have a Super Bowl commercial, how do you get noticed? Okay. That that's the dilemma every business has right now online is that, you know what? Everybody's publishing. 
there, there's not a brand out there that's not doing some sort of digital marketing. Everyone's got a website. Everyone's doing something, which means that getting lost online is really easy. Okay. So that's the dilemma. And then after that, I just dive right into an actual step by step by step formula. I get, you got to know something about me. I'm a blue collar guy. When I, when I graduated high school, I didn't go to college. I enlisted in the army as a mechanic. Okay. I, I was Turner wrenches. A couple of years later, somehow, some way, hook or crook, I made it into West Point. I graduated and you know what I did? I was in the infantry. <laughs> so nothing, no rocket science over here. But one thing I learned is that if you create a simple process that has a complex theory behind it, a complex strategy, that's just step-by-step, step, anybody can follow it. That's the secret for success. Okay. And you just diligently follow it. Just follow the book, just start. So to answer your question, no, don't skip around. Start in the introduction, understand what I'm doing and then follow the exact formula. It's, it, and it's, it literally, it's just starts out with, we define what a tribe is. I show you exactly how to figure out who your tribe is, how to test for it. And then we move into how do you identify the right emotions and primal urges that you should target for your business and how do you test them? And then I go into a, a long list of story structures that you can choose from and like find the ones that really speak to your brand and customize it because every business is a little different, right? Every every business owner is going to put their own signature on their business, right? Richard, Richard Branson is not the same as Steve Jobs, like very diametric and differently people, okay? And then put those three elements together. And then after that, it's just implementing it in a really coherent way. And so you ask that, why did I do it? Well, yeah, I was solving my own problem first because I don't like getting fired and I like doing good work. So then when I figured that out and I realized, I was like, you know what? I'm a single guy. I got a small company. I'm, I'm never going to scale to hundred employees. Is that I'm going to teach entrepreneurs exactly how they can do it. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of shifting my business from, Hey, Anthony, right. Do all of our content for us. I do some of that now, but I have a very limited amount of time. I'm not able to implement 30, 40, 50 programs a year. And so the book is the start of, Hey, if you want to implement a marketing program that is proven and you don't want to guess anymore, you don't want to have to spend your time trying to figure it out, just follow this formula and it's going to work for you. Um, you know, I, I, that's the best I can, best way I can tell you. I, I am doing some training programs where, okay, if you want to go beyond the book, instead of, you know, just having the textbook, you can, you know, enroll in the class and get a certification. I have that coming out in just the next couple of months. So that, that's where I'm headed is to teach the next generation of marketers. Like how do we grow a business for real and how do we separate from free to paying customers? And then how do we scale? Um, I years ago, and I talk about this in the book, I was part of a startup. And when I got there, I was around employee 57, something like that. And when I left, there were hundreds of employees and there was a, you know, a very, very, very large exit. And one of the things I learned in that startup is that it's easy to burn money in a startup in marketing when you don't know who the market is and you got some investors and you can just burn through money, like, like, like nothing, but when it's your own money and you're investing in your own company and you're writing the checks 
it's way more painful. And if you don't have a process, if you're just throwing it up against the wall, like you're going to lose. Okay. You don't have millions and millions of dollars. You need a process like primal storytelling, because then what you can do is you can test some small segments. You can try some stories if you're not totally sure. And then very quickly iterate, go one, then two, then three, and then suddenly you're down 10. Um, I, I mean, I, I do this for myself. I do this for other customers. I have a landing page and a campaign right now that's converting. It's like 60 some odd percent. Okay. Well, how did I get to 60% conversion on a, on a landing page? I tested and I tested and I retested and I tried some stories and I tried some ads and I retested and I retested. And suddenly I got a, I got a freaking dynamite ad system that's working. Okay. Same thing with SEO. Like who, who has the best page? Well, no one has the best page the first day. You create a page, it starts to index, you improve that page, you improve that page. And now I have pages on my website out there five, six, seven years, still, still producing to this day. You know, I have content that I created for clients that six years later are still delivering leads. Well, how do you do that? Well, you don't do it all in one time. It takes iterations. It takes, you know, it takes you putting in the diligent effort to figure out what actually works and having a process to do that. And, and that's what the book is really about. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, in marketing community, especially in like the, the big ad agencies, you hear all like creative, 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 like, yeah, creative matters. It's, it's important, but structure and data and understanding like what you're doing and why you're doing it and the strategy behind it, it matters. You know, I, a lot of people don't know this. I, I was, I commanded an infantry company in Iraq during the invasion. Okay. So I literally helped plan for the invasion of Baghdad. So I'm in time magazine. They did a big interview with me. My company was one of the first companies to fight across the bridge, fight into Baghdad and take down one of Saddam's palaces. Okay. Do you know the planning it takes to invade and conquer a big city like that? Okay. Well, when you take that same process and you apply it to marketing, it has to work. Why? Because the smartest guys in the whole world figured out how to plan like that. And you just, so you just use that military planning process in your marketing. And you know what? You don't got to be super smart. Just follow the process. Just do it. That's it. Just follow the process. That's, oh, I think we could probably go in a rabbit hole of the, uh, the last thing that you just said there, but I will, I'll cut us off here with a marketing part. Um, and just say, what is the best place for people to not only get a hold of the book, but maybe find out about you? And as you're getting ready to go on to do some more things for them to to reach out to you, if you got some examples of sites or places we can send them, make sure we link up. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on there every day. Um, I still answer my own messages and stuff. My assistant doesn't do that. Um, and then my website, primalstorytelling.com. Um, I, you guys can get a, a free copy of the book on there. Um, if you go to primalstorytelling.com slash podcast and you get a free copy of the book and seven video bonuses that I put together just to help entrepreneurs get started and, you know, implement primal storytelling. Perfect. I want you guys to win. All right. Putting that in there right now. Anthony, thank you so much. This was extremely valuable. We appreciate it. Thanks guys. I appreciate you. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBranding and let us know what you thought about this episode.
And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.